mofos. It's me, Baron Vovo. That's not a good nickname for myself, but I liked it in that split second. Uh, hi, this is a special extra Thanksgiving episode of Deep Shit. Uh, since last week, I did not have an episode. I decided to release two this week, and uh, I think they both relate. Today's episode is with Mr. Ryan Singer, fast becoming a good friend. We're uh, similar in a lot of ways and different in a lot of ways, and I think that you'll uh, see some of those ways, or hear some of those ways, I mean to say, when you listen to this podcast. Um, Ryan is frustratingly positive. (laughs) is the only way I can describe it. He's an optimistic. He um, has an approach uh, that is very appealing to me because I guess there's a lot of parts or a lot of places, a lot of pieces, a lot of poop farts of myself. A lot of me wants to um, take a cue from him and I aspire to live my life better. My my life philosophy is um, if you're the same person at the end of the year that you were at the beginning of the year, you have wasted a year, which is why I try to learn and I try to experience and challenge myself to do things. Challenge my sh- challenge my shelf. Did I just say that like that? I like to challenge myself. I challenge myself to do things. I just, I'm always... Me, I'm challenging myself. Can you tell that I'm alone right now, staring at nothing while I record this? Um, point is, is that I, um, in the last couple of years, I, uh, I feel like I'm, I've been shrinking in some sort of way. It's self-inflicted. I, uh... Put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm my own worst critic. I'm very hard on myself. It's very hard for me to see what it is I have achieved, um, and the things that I actually am accomplishing, and the things that I actually am doing. And uh, a lot of that comes from comparing myself to everybody over and over and over again. And this is an ongoing theme you've been hearing on the podcast already. Just my rabbit hole like spiraling into my own psychosis which I don't think is that severe but it gets worse and worse as it goes along and uh, we touch on that a little bit in this podcast the theme by the way of this podcast if you can't tell by the title is now not the National Organization for Women but the idea and the practice of being present of being in the now in the moment and uh we delve into it in a way that you will see i think makes me uncomfortable i think i i'm resistant and i i I outlie it of why i think i am but i i didn't feel good after this conversation and that's because of my own bs it's a good conversation Ryan says things I need to hear and apply to my life, but I got this fucking neurotic blockade that's not letting those supplies get to the part of my emotional uh, Berlin 
there's a there's a there's a emotional Berlin wall that I'm blocking supplies from one side to the other and I need to stop doing that. I um after this podcast was recorded right after pretty much I got some good news that I was waiting for um which makes me financially less in the muck and uh that's good so I feel better because of that but um it's interesting what I do here I'll stop talking about it here and now I promise to love faithfully Closer than my mountain. I don't even know what mountain you're close to. What Brand mount- Park Mountain. Br- what? Brand Park. Oh, Brand. Okay, I thought you said Bryant. Oh, my, that mountain right there. Dude, I'm not going to go up a fucking... I was at the uh, observatory over the weekend. Did you just hike up and down? No, no. Uh, a couple of friends of mine from Dayton separately. Were oh, in town yeah, together yeah. You told the me same that. time. And we went to the music because it's free. It, what, what do you call it's a person so from bad. Dayton? A Daytonian? So it is Daytonian. Yeah. I thought I made that up. No, no. You nailed it. Because Daytona 500, is that in Dayton? No, that's in Daytona, Florida. Ah, uh, hoo hoo So Daytona is a totally different town than Dayton. Mm-hmm. So but it's a you Daytonian. Both are, you both are Daytonians. Well, no, uh, someone from Daytona is probably a, uh, probably a Daytonan. Daytonian? I think they're just a Daytonan. Daytonan, and you guys are Daytonians? Uh-huh. So you guys are the smaller name and you get more. Oh, hell yeah, <laughs> more... because we're, where Flight was born. We're, uh, What? Because the Wright brothers are from Dayton, are from are Daytonians, so the idea. So where they invented, like they had a bicycle shop in right, Dayton, right, and then, you know, they came up with and invented the airplane in Dayton. Let me just move that towards okay. you just a yeah, little, a little more. Yeah, like that. Oh, little, little we're, more we're recording. On. Yeah. So, but Dayton didn't have the right spot for them to launch. They their didn't plane. have the right. So spot that's why for the they right. went to. Correct. So the rights were wrong. They had the, the wrong... rights were wrong in their location. If the, if, if the rights are wrong, what's left? You know, <laughs> as you were saying. So they went to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. now there's now that war is being waged on license plates Ugh. because North Carolina says first in flight on their license plate, mm-hmm. and so Ohio says birthplace of aviation. Uh, okay, yeah. Because there's nothing else for either state to be proud of, apparently. That but, they just have to wage this battle of pride. So, but, but they're talking about... We're talking about the first actual flight versus the concept. Right? This is, this is basically the abortion argument. <laughs> <laughs> what came first, the plane or the flight? What came first, the plane, <laughs> the plane or the... So it's like they're thinking about flying, but that doesn't mean that it actually exists yet. But they invented and built... And, you know, the airplane was built there. Oh, the airplane was built there. Okay. So, and then it was, like, taken down to Kitty Hawk. So they're saying that, like... Now, that might not be We true, went to but... Kitty Hawk to fly, but the machine, we made it over here. Yes. And then we drove it. The actual flight took place in Kitty Hawk because they had the right hill they needed or something. Okay. So we had to get to Kitty Hawk. Because we would have flown no, there. there was nothing in North Carolina. Yeah. Except probably tobacco fields. Makes sense. So they could... Uh, they could take a plane and fly it because there was nobody around or mm. nothing they could worry about. Not that there was shit in Ohio either. 
I can't imagine there was a lot of stuff in Dayton. What, is, isn't Ohio pretty... Uh, it's, it's called the Miami Valley, where Dayton's a part of the Miami Valley because the glaciers came through. So it is, it's got some decent hills. It's got some hills. hills. Okay. It's got some hills, yeah. Right, because there's a school there, Miami University of Ohio. Yeah. One of the one of the convoluted colleges, I like to call it. Because uh-huh. there's like... Uh, what's the one in uh, Pennsylvania? It's like Illinois University of Pennsylvania or something like that. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking like, about? Because I know a lot of universities have those satellite campuses too right which are always confusing to me university of pennsylvania montana montana campus (laughs) montana campus because i was going to say that like if we were going to talk about the the concept of flight i mean man's been thinking about that shit probably the closest before the wright brothers was uh da vinci right oh yeah people Stuart huff is a comedian i'm not sure if you're familiar with him. i know who he is yes he's so funny he's got this great bit about how he hates the wright brothers because they ruined they ruined all of the great crazy maniacs who, because the funniest footage in the world is, is the, people all those people failing. To yeah, play. yeah. Um, I might have heard that. Oh, it's it's brilliant. It's really great. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Where's Stuart? Where's Stuart? Stuart Huffer. Where's he out of? I think it's not. It's not Louisville or where is it? It's somewhere in the south. It's somewhere south of. It's it's not south of Mason Dixon. It's Kentucky or Tennessee or shoot, I don't know. Kentucky. Kentucky. Well, Kentucky touches Ohio, doesn't it? Kentucky. Doesn't Georgia, it? Maybe. Because you might be out of Atlanta. Um, Kentucky. Yeah. That's right there. Ohio River. That, Ohio that, River is the, uh, and the airport. Line. That airport's right there too. The Covington, the Cincinnati Airport, which is in thirty miles inside of Kentucky. Yes. 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 Yeah. I've flown into that airport, and I, and that's when I learned. Oh, I didn't know Ohio was this. It was technically the South. This part of Ohio. No, no. Or no. The bottom of Ohio is conceptually. I know it's not the South. Well, Mason, the Dixon Ohio lies. River was what separated the South from the North, and the Ohio River oh. separates Ohio from Kentucky. So once you got, if you were a slave, you got across the Ohio River into Ohio, you were free. Hold on, let me slow down here. I just want to make sure I heard the first part of that sentence <laughs> correctly. If you were a slave, if you were, if I was a slave, conceptually. Okay, Brian, let me ask you this. <laughs> oh goddamn! If I was a slave, <laughs> and I was looking at the Ohio River, what would I have to do? <laughs> To no longer be a slave. Mr. Singer, we <laughs> have to get to the other side. <laughs> Isn't that the old joke? Why did the slave yeah, cross, cross the Ohio River, River to get, get to, to the, the other, other side? side of freedom? Freedom. <laughs> Basically. Okay. That I makes got tears sense. in my eyes over here. Hey. Cry yeah, no, because some people think Ohio is the South, and that's no, no, I know it's not the South. I know it's not the no, South. No, I'm saying some people. I'm not saying you. Right. Because... People ask me all the time, like, where are you from? You've got a southern draw. And sometimes when I'm on stage, it comes out, I guess. Yeah, a little uh, bit, yeah. And I did. I grew up around people who said y'all and all that stuff. Yeah, as and long got, as it wasn't yins. Yeah, and I spent time on a farm. You know, I know what it's like. <laughs> is that is that the definitive... Does that make you a southerner if you've actually well, been no, to a farm? Well, I no, mean, I, I mean, I helped birth a, uh, a cult. See, you know what? You said that and the accent came out. Did I? You just... you, you I think you, you emotionally transplanted... Transplanted. Yeah. You emotionally... Like went to the place, and the accent was there, and you're like, "I birthed the cult." I birthed the cult. Oh wow! I am. F- I was born. Uh, I-, I started out as a child. Um, I was born in New Mexico, right? The so, land of enchantment. The land of enchantment. I love that place. And when you go there, what enchantment means is soot. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if by enchantment you mean soot and poverty and surprisingly lax. Uh, laws about former child molesters getting employment then oh wow i had no idea they've changed it recently 
I remember getting into a long conversation with a friend who went to the College of Santa Fe because apparently New Mexico had the the most lenient law. Like it was easy for like former like you know, convicted child molesters to like get employment, which is like I'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to work, but there's certain things in place once they've been convicted after a conviction that are in place to to make sure or help that something like that never happens again. And so New Mexico didn't have those things in place until like semi-recently, probably 10 years ago. You know how when uh, someone wins a big sport game or something? Or a sport, sport game? game? Yeah. Like I've never played we're, sports. We're such men. Um, hey, did you go to the sport game? <laughs> or the, like the Super Bowl or something. They'll be like, what are you going to do? And like, I'm going to Disney World. Yeah. But so whenever pedophiles get out of prison, they're like, what are you going to do now that you're out of jail? We're going to New Mexico. <laughs> Like I'm sorry. their Disneyland. I'm sorry, Nuevo Mexicanos, if you're listening. I apologize to disparage the uh, state of my birth. Yeah, I do love that place. I one of the no, oh, there's nothing to see except Santa Fe and Albuquerque. That's pretty much it. I had a weird, really weird experience one of my first times in New Mexico. Yeah, um, I was driving from California to Ohio, one of my many drive homes on Route 66. Uh, <laughs> I, I no, it was you didn't, you didn't get your kicks on Route 66. No, I because it goes straight through New Mexico. Route 66? Yeah. Oh, the historic route. Historic route 66. Um, maybe I'm going to do that one time. I'm going to take 66 it across the whole Chicago. country. Chicago from Los Angeles. That's I'm going to do, do that one time. All right. Well, if you want to do it, I won't do it with you. But if you okay. want to do it, no. I might do it. Go ahead. Um, and I stopped in a rest stop so I could sleep. Mm-hmm. And I woke up the next morning. And I went into the... They had a free internet sign on the little house. It was a really tiny little place. So I walk in and there was a Native American gentleman... Uh, working there and mm-hmm. gosh i've had like moments like this in my life these seminal moments of like wow i'm fucking really stupid okay like about my perspective about the world and so i walk in and you know when you first wake up you still got a little you got you know morning wood kind of lingering a little bit morning like, wood morning wood like it, okay it like lingers it's not there anymore but it can be ac- reactivated very easily so you had after morning wood you had uh uh day chub day chub okay <laughs> That's, you're walking yeah, around with like day some chub. lunch chub. Okay, or brunch. <laughs> some, I had some brunch. Some lunch and brunch and chubbin. Yeah, and so I walk in, and the guy says, "Good morning." Right, really fem- feminine. Really effeminate. Okay, and and I was shocked. I was like, "No, I've never heard a Native American speak like a classically stereotypical like gay man." Right? <laughs> yeah. And, it freaked me out. Yeah. Okay. And I was just like, "What?" And that's where the closed-mindedness comes in. Like, oh, Native American dudes aren't allowed to be, aren't allowed to talk like that or be gay. They have to sound a certain. You way. didn't know that you had like a very specific image of what you yeah. thought. It's like the first time when I was like eighteen, the first time I saw a female, uh, a black female lipstick lesbian. Oh. Oh yeah. And I yeah, was like, okay. I was like, well, first of all, I've never seen a black female lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Let alone a, a lipstick lesbian right right so i was just like oh it really blew my mind um see i think of a black lesbian i immediately think of uh i immediately think of fatigues <laughs> that's, that's oh, what i think oh, yeah, of. Yeah. i think of her short hair and fatigues mm-hmm. probably some do- dog collars never been in the military yeah but the first time i admitted that was in a, a feminist feminism in theater class in college and i was like oh you know i'm a t-, you know so i told this story and it was me one other guy and a bunch of women in this class and i admitted that about how I felt, I was like really shocked by that, uh-huh. and like I realized it was kind of, you know, it was inappropriate to be shocked by that. Just a lack of understanding, and all these women were just like, "You're a, f- you're a fucking asshole." 
Really? And I'm like, I'm admitting. You're admitting. I'm the, admitting that I yeah, have this. Yeah. This is why I'm in this class. So, but anyway, so I, the guy's like, good morning. And I was like, oh, good morning. And uh, he goes, he goes, so how are you? I was like, oh, I'm fine. He goes, do you want to come on the internet? And I was like, and I was going to try to check some email or something at the time. And I was like, no, I think I'm okay. I'm just, you know, maybe get a cup of coffee. He's like, no, come on. You can come on the internet. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think I want to get on the internet. And he goes, no, come on the internet. You can come on the internet. And I was like, no, I don't think I need to get on the, and then I just kind of left. And I was like, oh, have a good day. See you later. And it just was like, this is so weird. Like uh-huh. he just kept, cause he kept saying it over and over, come on, you can come on the internet. And I was just like, cause it was like, I don't know, six thirty in the morning and there was nobody else there. I was the only, I was like, this guy was, I don't know what was happening. Okay. But the fact that I still had like, you know, brunch chub. Yeah. That, you know, you think that he in was a, in a weirder time in my life, maybe something I could have been, you know, just convinced. I don't know. So you, but you, there's a party that thinks he was looking at your brunch chub and he was like, well, you I don't take think there's any way he could have told, there's no way for him to know that I had brunch chub. Um, okay. Cause that was the part of the story where I was like, how could you walk out with brunch chub and not be like, oh shit, brunch chub better not wear sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> better effectively yeah. tuck this in between uh, my shirt. No, I don't and think pants. you could. Like it wasn't. It was definitely post Morningwood, like you said, like brunch up. Like we're talking like fifteen percent. You okay. know. So so there's no way to know that. Like oh, that guy's got a that guy's got a brunch chub. Yeah, brunch chub. By so. the way, the word brunch chub it makes me think of uh, uh, the song "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go" because <laughs> you know in the front they go jitterbug. So in my brain I'm going a brunch Yo-do. chub, a brunch, brunch chub. chub. <laughs> A brunch chub into the heart. I couldn't. I couldn't remember how the. How the Come rest of the on was. the internet, it's a start. <laughs> the land of enchantment. That was my one experience in New Mexico. The mm. only time I've ever really spent there was sleeping in a rest stop, mm-hmm. and then having a Native American man. Ask me the most to come on the internet to come on the internet. Uh, a Native American, a man that you didn't know could be a, a very stereotypically gay. Be stereotypically gay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I. Was there two years ago? Because when I moved here, I drove from New York, and I went through the South, and ended up going through New Mexico, and uh, you know went to Santa Fe, and uh, spent a day there, and then went to the Grand Canyon. Never been to the Grand Canyon before. Oh, isn't it great? Well, it's just like it's it's you know what? It's pretty grand. It's actually I understand why they uh, call it that because there's that there was that part of me where it's like this is just a big hole in the ground. Then I feel the energy. There's something magical, something magnetic, electromagnetic fields going on there. It's like it's a it's a it's a a place where something there's some sort of energy. That's all I can say. And at some point I felt the energy and I was like dizzy and in awe and I was like, I gotta leave. I gotta I can't look at this anymore. Um one of the few places you can still see a donkey. That's true. That's true. Or a packing mule. And you can see plenty of asses, metaphorically. So, <laughs> so I, I grew up there, but then I, I, when I drove back, I went through there because we were on, I was on Route 66 for a little bit. And I went to the really, really smallest town that I grew up in for a split second. It's called Tucumcari, New Mexico. Tucumcari? Tucumcari. T-U-C-U-M-C-A-R-I. Yeah. Tucumcari on the internet? Tucumcari on the internet. Tucumcari internet. Oh, Jesus. So that place is run down, and I went to the little, little street that I... What kind of, like, town was it? Was it like a... Was it like... 
part of industry that no longer exists or it has to be that because I was there in the 80s. I don't even know what would it be some kind of mining or something. I don't, I don't even, even know. I don't even know. I don't know what it had to offer. Uh it was like a it's a town of 13,000 people. Oh wow. It was very small. Um a lot of churches. That I mean mm. church was such an integral part of my life growing up literally because it was in our backyard. Like it was like house Yard, gate, church. I could look at it from the window, and it took literally one minute to church, which is why I was always one minute late. Because <laughs> I'm like, ah, I could go, you know, seven. But um, I went to that little place, and it was just kind of amazing walking around it because as a kid, as a five-year-old, six-year-old, that four-block radius that I grew up in, which has not changed. It looks worse. It's oh. way more run down. But there's this gigantic, I remember this gigantic farm field that looked like the end of the world to me. And uh, I was walking around, and everything's so small, of course. But as a five, six-year-old, I'm like, this is, this is all there is. The, 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 the entire universe begins and ends here in my little head. That's why I loved television. Because <laughs> it's like, that's clearly somewhere else. Yeah. I'm going to go to there. Um, but you it was understand that when people thought the world was flat, if they were all six years old. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But once you get... I don't understand how people... I mean, of course, I don't understand it. it just one now, one person who is really good at convincing other people of stuff just decided that one. You know what? World's flat. It was like, I don't know. No, it's flat, dude. Yeah. Look at it. You're going to fall off. Look at that. Look that way. Look that way. Is that the same thing? No. Flat. Case it, closed. Buy me a beer. Lay down on the ground and see if you roll one direction or the other. You know what? That's, you don't because it's flat. I honestly, if I was in that time period, <laughs> I would have been convinced by that argument. I would have been like, yeah, maybe the world is flat. Then I would go tell everybody I knew. Well, everyone's convinced that, you know, you go to heaven after you die. Everyone. Or that you don't or oh, no. that you don't come back. Well, not everyone, but a large portion of people are convinced that you don't come you don't reincarnate after you die or something. Are you more in the reincarnation camp? I'm on that. I'm I'm leaning in that in that direction. I like, mean I'm really my mom and I have I'm gonna get buried when I'm dead, hopefully. I mean, I won't know if they honor my request, but naked without a casket, just in the ground somewhere. Like, oh, really? Let me decompose and get back in this game as quick as possible. That's what I was going to say is that that's, that's what I see is the closest to re- as, as far as I understand, it's like you decompose, you become food for worms, as yeah. Hamlet said. They eat you, birds eat that, somebody eats a bird, and then eventually you're back inside another You're inside yeah. somebody. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my, my life as, once you die, as an ecosystem. Once you die, you're inside someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait to be inside <laughs> I want to die inside you, world. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's uh, seamlessly transition into... What, um, right now? Oh, I'm high-fiving you mentally because you said the subject that you wanted to talk about, which is when we, when we first talked, you, you had mentioned consideration and now, the idea of the power of it, Eckhart, which you said the power of now really yeah, well, changed your I life. I read New Earth first. Okay, I got New which Earth. Which is the second book. I have New Earth. I'm going to read it. I'm just really trying to write out this depression thing yeah. <laughs> and see where it takes me. Well, see, yeah, you definitely... You definitely don't want to read the New Earth uh, until you're finished with the depression thing because you're not going to be you're open to be, it. You're not going to be open to riding depression, the wave of depression, at least in my experience. Okay, if you're in the moment, because it's it's. I find for me, it's difficult to be depressed when you're living in the moment. 
it's okay to be upset or sad about something that has happened, mm-hmm. but it's difficult to be really depressed if you're living in the moment. Well, here's the thing, Rye Guy, McGillicuddy. Mind if I call you that? Mm, that's fine. Okay. I went to theater school, and um, theater school, I was talking to uh, Natasha Leggero about this last night. You know Natasha Leggero at all? Very funny comedian. Um, we've met, like, I think once. Okay. Yeah. We were on a show last night together, and... Um, she has some theater training as well, and as I was, I was talking to her because we were talking about stand up and just like I am, I, I, how I, I was talking about giving myself permission to just suck at shows that are good, so that way I can find what the hell is inside of what it is I want to talk about. And she was, she was saying the same thing that she's like sick of relying on what she knows will work, you know. Um, she wants to let herself like grow at like a comedian. We're comedians, so. Um, I said that like theater training, all theater training is, is getting out of your way. Ultimately, all the tools, all that technique, all the craft of it is so that way you do nothing. You have to train to learn to do nothing. That in a sort of a way was, I was how I described theater school being very similar to Eastern philosophies. Because it's all about just getting out of your own way. Just being present. In a way, doing nothing means that you're open to actual reaction. An actual, just like you're there, someone says something, you react. It's so hard to just do that because we get so ha so ha in our heads, you know, and yeah, in our there's psyches. So many, there's so many different things going on when you're doing stand-up, like, where's the joke? Or what's the next joke? Or how am I going to make this, how am I going to, this, it didn't connect. Exactly. What, what road do I have to travel to make it connect with these people? And just by judging them by the way they look mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. judging them by what they haven't laughed at or what they have laughed at already. Well, I think that like what you and I are on the road towards or, or I think what we're trying to do is something that is like that, getting out of our own way, letting, letting stuff happen and grabbing the pieces of it and like, ha ha, I wrangled you, happenings. Let's turn you into a, a, a little bit of more structure or something like that, right? I think it's a little zen I'm trying do you well, no, disagree? I, I do. No, I don't disagree because I'm finally in a place now in the city of Los Angeles mm-hmm. where I'm city feeling, of angels, the city of angels, where I'm feeling comfortable enough to let myself fly like that um, <laughs> on 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 certain shows. Yeah, um, because I've kind of like when I first got here for the first year plus I've been here. I'm like, I better do sets. I got to do sets. You know, show. You know, establish myself. Like, oh, this guy. You got to make got, sure that people I've see got, Ryan Singer with a capital R and capital exactly, S. Exactly. Right. And that's all. You know. You know, because you never know what people think about you. Of course. So you try to do your best to establish a reputation that you think you want people to have of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but now I'm just kind of letting it. Let. I mean. In certain circumstances, I'm not doing that. Like, oh, there's, I need to. Try yeah, to you showcase. I tried to do a showcase set or something, but so I've had some really fun, fun sets recently because of that. And there's always been shows. I don't know if you feel this way, but if you, if you ever do a show for the first time or at a club somewhere in the country or something, and for whatever reason, that space, the energy in that space, is conducive to just being you. Yes, because I studied theater in college. For a few years, yeah, knowing that I wanted to do stand-up comedy, and I was like, I want to be comfortable on stage. Yeah, so when I start doing stand-up, um, I won't have to worry about that part. Yeah, yeah, so similar. Started, yeah, so, but there's a couple places here, like the Good Luck Show at the Good Luck Bar, that right? Doug and uh, Doug Mellard and Chuck Watkins run. From the very first time I did that show, I was like, I can let it fly here. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of those guys, Cap City in in uh, Austin, 
there's something about that room. Yeah, for, I've never for done me, that room. for me, I just I'm like I am me here. Mm-hmm. There's not. And I feel like I feel that way about that place and uh, the Laughing Skull in Atlanta, and um, the old Gotham Comedy Club, which doesn't exist anymore. But that first one, that was when I was doing bringer shows yeah. too. Have you done Nut Street? No, I'm sorry. I know it's got a it's got a silly name. It's called <laughs> Nut, Nut Street. Street. No, two, two T's. Where is that? It's in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh no, I don't. I it's have in a, a basement of a rock club. I have done a lot of colleges in the South, but not a lot of clubs. Atlanta is the only club I've done in the South. I've I've been talking to some maybe about trying to do a show in Asheville or something. But but go ahead, Nut Street. But yeah, I can. Uh, you gonna put me in touch can, with those peeps? I can, I can because I'm doing Asheville with Jared Harris. We're doing our oh, RV, that's right, the RV tour in January. So, but anyway, not yeah. Watch out for that, listeners. Ryan Singer and Jared Harris organic tour are coming to a southern town near you. <laughs> you see two weirdos in wigs in your small town with a camera guy following them. It's now you know they're that. not effeminate Native Americans. It's Ryan Singer and Jared Harris. Organic tour. They're gonna come on the internet. Justin Bieber may not may not be there. <laughs> the but Nut Street is one of those. <laughs> I'm still entertained by the uh, the uh, gibberish legal that you just yeah. did right there. Go ahead. Nut Street is one of those places, probably where I've had the most profound now moment on stage. Mm. The last time I was there, um, somebody wouldn't get off their phone, like just looking at it, and their face was lit up. And I've got this whole bit about fluorescent faces I can do. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then. I go on this rant about how comedians, you know, be on your phone because it's not like we've sacrificed every healthy relationship or financial stability. It's not like we've sacrificed everything. Right, yeah. To devote our lives to making jokes that you may or may not find funny. Right, right. It's no small sacrifice. Yeah. And then everybody was dead. And it was a packed crowd and they were a little rambunctious, but it was a good energy. Right. The whole time. Is that Nut Street? Yeah, it was Nut Street. On this particular show, it was like that. And... And then everybody was, and then after I finished this little thing, and I wasn't yelling, it was as quiet as it is right now. Okay. And then I said something, I can't remember exactly what I said, and people laughed. And it was, and then I was like, can you feel how in the moment of our lives we are right now? And (laughs) as I said that sentence, I almost started crying. Like, (laughs) you know when you get the... I started to, like a go, like the best ghost story was ever told. Yeah, I, okay. my face. I felt like my face separated from my face. Uh, okay, and Shit. it was crazy how in the moment, and I knew at that moment nothing could go wrong. About mm. I could say anything as long as it was my instinct, which it would only be in that situation. And the rest of the show was mad. It was just magic hmm. because. And I came really close to becoming too aware of it to where it took myself out of it. Mm. Kind of like when you realize you're dreaming and you wake up. Yeah, yeah, Instead yeah. of becoming lucid, that set became lucid instead of me waking up from it, if that makes any sense. That does make sense. And that's what I'm, that and I've been chasing that fucking dragon. That's what I was about to say. Are you chasing that? I'm chasing that. Perhaps you shouldn't chase it. Perhaps you should just let it find exactly. you. And that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. Because if you're, oh gosh, I get caught up. You know, but in the moment of life, there is nothing better than every moment because every moment is now. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I have definitely felt that in stand up. I felt that in improvisation as well. I remember ha- Mike Myers, some interview, maybe it was his Inside the Actor Studio, was talking about 
I think he said something like, like bad improv is the worst ever. He's like, he's like when bad improv is bad, it's as bad as anything else and maybe worse. But when it's on, when you're in the, when you're in that moment and you're cooking, he's like, there's nothing like it. And I have felt that improvisation moment of where it's like, as dumb as it sounds, it's like, oh my God, God is speaking through me right now. I'm like, I think yeah. I, like I, it's the closest I can get to, to, you know, being a sociopath, but it's like, uh, <laughs> 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 it's like I could start a religion right now and people would follow me. That's where I am in that yeah. place. Um, that's not accurate description of a so sociopath. So what are your goals uh, in the next five years in comedy? I want people to be willing to kill for me. I want I want people to walk into the fire alongside me. I want them to want to birth my child. I want a bunch of children by different women who love my material. And it'll be called my bastard comedy troupe. <laughs> the rat bastards. The rat bastards. It's ridiculous. Well, you know what I was going to say earlier is that there um back back to the theatrical thing. I um there was so much talk and Thinking and theorizing and and working on being present, right? Being in the moment—a term you've already used—and it was very, it was much easier in college, obviously, because it's a bubble of life where things aren't necessarily real. There aren't these external uh, hounds of hell, whether they be having to pay your own rent, whether it be getting your shoes stepped on at a CVS, what the, the, the entire gamut of. Being ripped out of the moment. And I used to say that when I was in New York with my friends because when we got out of college, we all realized how much – how we, it was so hard to be present. And I was like trying to fight with myself like be in the moment, be present. But I realized it's hard to do that when you live in a world that everything around you is literally designed to rip you from the present moment. Everything around us is designed to, to not have us be in the now. You dig my means? I dig I dig what you're saying. <laughs> I mean that's what I was talking about last time. I think it's also it's it's a difficult thing to do is changing perspective as opposed to thinking about all these things that are designed to rip us from the moment. We can try to view them as tools to help us better achieve the moment. Ugh. But see that's a that's a whole that's a whole yeah. shift of consciousness almost. And I'm not there. And this isn't my favorite part about um being as dumb as I am. You think you're dumb? Well, Ryan I don't think I'm dumb. I, I, I don't think I'm stupid. Right, Guy McGillicuddy. I don't think I'm stupid, but I think I can be pretty dumb at, sometimes, at points. Unaware, do you mean? Unaware, yes. Okay. Yeah, in that way. It's when I'll, I'll, like, I'll read some. I'm that guy who reads the first third of a book and then won't shut up about it. <laughs> I do the but same little thing. does he know. I do the same thing. Little do I know the second half or the, the two-thirds of the book that follow like I'm making myself look like a real idiot because I'm like, oh, I'm reading this book. It's so great. Blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, well, you clearly haven't read the rest of that book because it, it changes. That's just the beginning of something that, you know. So I'll talk about, oh, I'm reading this book and it's so great and blah, blah. And people will be like, yeah. My ex-girlfriend was great at it. She'd be like, well, you know, that's all just stemming from, you know, some, from something previous. Or this is all, this isn't new. Right, right. And okay. I'm like, oh. Oh yeah, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew it wasn't new. Um, now I know it's yeah, not new. Yeah. So, but the moment thing to me was new uh, for me mm-hmm. when I first came upon it, and uh, it was. Uh, wait, wait, you mean at that show, or you just mean well, in, no, just the concept, the, the of concept it. of it. Okay, the concept of trying to be. I I'd always heard you know appreciate what you've got and yeah uh, yeah you know 
be grateful. Don't it always of, seem to go that you don't know what you got yeah. till it's gone. But I was raised from day one. I never, I don't have a memory of not knowing about hell. Like that's how early I knew about hell okay. as a kid being raised in that Catholic religion. I, I don't remember never knowing that hell existed. Hmm, okay. It's always been there because yeah. my memories don't go back far enough. So, uh, so for me, it was always about, it wasn't about the moment. Like religion is, a, I guess, like you said, a thing that can rip you from the moment like designed to rip you from the moment of your life because you're supposed to be thinking about eternity. Right, right. Which is the opposite of right now, almost, if you think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. Instead of living your life in the moment, you're living your life so that you can spend forever in a certain place. Right. Which is a horrible way to go about living. It's all fear-based. Yeah, yeah. I remember in college somebody else saying that that is a lot of the Western beliefs systems yeah. it's get out of the way something bigger is that is at work you have to aim towards that thing at the end whereas the eastern philosophies are more like no it's just be here yeah you're right here right in now theory, that's, that's not such a bad thing right to think that there's something bigger than you because there is well but that but but that's true to an extent but it's that but it's that like the final judgment exactly kind of like everything that you did is gonna it's it's the points it's a game you either win or you lose, uh-huh. and it's most likely going to lose. Look at these pictures of the losers. Yeah. See how they're engulfed in flame? That's what's on the other side. Somebody's got to win or lose. Ooh, yikes. Right? In the West. I had a moment like that yep. years ago. I went on a date with some girl who I asked out at a restaurant, and uh, we went bowling, and I was maybe 22 years old. Good date. Years old. Good yeah, date. Yeah. Nice go-to. So we, nice go we got the shoes, and then we went up to buy the, I went up to buy the games. And or how many games we're gonna bowl? And the guy goes, "How many games do you want?" I was like, oh, "What do you What do you want to do? Do you want to do like three or five? And she goes, "Well, what about two? And I go, two. But what if What if we each win one? Ah. And she goes, "What do you mean?" I go, "Well, we have to have three because we don't know who won." And she goes, "Then we'd tie." <laughs> and I was just like, "No." That, no, why would you want to tie? Huh. Somebody has to win. Yeah. And we bowled two games. But um, So she, she, she won that she argument. She won that argument. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, but it was, to me, it was like a moment in my life where I was like, wow, I'm not even considering like how everything has to be a victory or a moment like where there has to be, it's an underlying thing that I'm not even aware of that's affecting my life where I have to win or lose. Well, you know, there's this thing, and I've gotten to discussions about, like, uh, our education system, you know, where it's like, that's taught and that's really beaten to us. There is a good grade and there is a bad grade. Mm-hmm. There, so there is a right way. And we, those, that's one of the most dangerous things in school that we apply to life beyond school. Once we're out of school, we're always trying to get good grades at things. Mm-hmm. But there's no back of the book. So it's like people stress out to, like, there's a way to get an A. There is a way to get an A at this marriage. There's a way to get an A at driving to work. Then people stress out about that and uh, kill themselves young. Mm-hmm. As you were saying? Because I couldn't show my work. <laughs> I couldn't show my work. Oh, I used to get in fights with a math teacher. Show your work. Because I could do, the, I could do it in my head. Mm-hmm. And I was coming up with shortcuts in ways that I'm like, well, I see what she's saying and I understand that, but it's faster to do it this way. And I would just go on stage. Uh, stage. It was a stage. It was a stage. It was a, it was a, Let's be honest. It's been a stage this whole she time. She was my straight man. You know what I'm saying? 
I'd go up there like, she here's was the answer. She's like, why she don't your you show your man. work? One math class, she'd be your 180 degree man. Yeah. It's, oh, whoa. God. 180 degree would make the audience do a 360. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Boom. What in the Cartesian planes? Don't get too obtuse. I think, therefore, I'm thinking about you thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um... I forgot where the hell. No, but I agree that like the whole win loss thing about the Western versus Eastern philosophy. Yeah, yeah. um, We aren't raised in a a culture or society that is focused on living in the moment of your life. Like you said, a lot of things are trying to rip you out. Like you need to save for your retirement. You know, but But that's capitalism. Yeah, it's it's literally based on us feeling shitty about ourselves. So we buy something we believe Mm -hmm. will make us feel good about ourselves, but that doesn't exist. Anyway, what do you think of my yeah, TV behind in you? In this dream. You like my TV? <laughs> oh, my God. How much was that? Uh, it was a price winner's play. Winner's play? That's not... <laughs> winner's play? Is it, are we in a, did you shop at a casino? Yeah. Winner's play. Winner's play. That sounds like something like that. I am from Vegas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As you were saying, though. Um, this should be a, a winner's play in Vegas. Like, if you win at the table, you get to go see a certain play. Uh, <laughs> but if you're a loser, you have to go see this other production. Another play where it's, just, it's not... It's not even like like no one knows their lines. Yeah, yeah. The lighting's messed up. It's still a show, but not a show. You know. Instead of washing the dishes in Vegas, you have to go do a stage production of Death of a Salesman. You have to <laughs> step in as Willie Loman, reading yeah. the script, having no idea what's happening. I think the difference between the East and the West is it's really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the moment I've been in a traffic jam, yeah, which I think most people will agree is one of the worst times. Because you're stuck. You're you're just stuck. I don't like traffic jam on my um, bread. But if you're in the moment mm-hmm. of your life in that traffic jam and feel connected to the other people that are also stuck and then realize, oh, you know what? There's even driving over here. I was like, um, I was going to be a little bit early and I still found myself like trying to speed up sometimes. I'm like, wow, just why are you speeding up to have nothing to do? <laughs> okay. You're yeah. hurrying for nothing. Yeah. Um, and it's like you can feel con- you can really feel connected to those people in their cars, also sitting there stuck on the freeway, mm-hmm. and it's much more difficult to be upset in that moment. Okay, it's much more difficult to get angry or to be pissed off when you're like, "Oh wow, we're I'm alive. Ah, this person okay. over there is alive." I like. Let's try to... The simple yet profound. Let's try to just... Oh, I could be dead and not stuck in a traffic jam getting ready to go to a fun thing or a meeting of some kind or whatever it is. To Just to... Uh, that's, for me, what the key is. Yeah. Being in the moment of my life... That's, a, that's an instant makes change me, of perspective. It makes me hyper aware of, of the value of my life. Ugh. I have learned... I have lately been yelling... At drivers, I never used to yell. Oh, you're going, you're you're spiraling. You know what it is? Is because when I got, I was in Canada, and I was driving around in Canada, and uh, people are nice in Canada. <laughs> so one thing I've learned in driving in Vancouver, people rarely use their horns. There's a lot of benefit of the doubtism, I think, in drivers. I'm They're sure like, something's probably I'm preventing sure, them from being. Yeah, into- like you could sit at a stoplight for like ten seconds and not, uh, like a light turns green and for ten seconds and you don't realize it, and nobody will honk. And here it's like if it's two seconds, there's four cars behind you. Like we just lost two seconds because uh, of you. It's getting worse. People are honking at people for not running people over in crosswalks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Nobody realizes it. My my garage door over here, I have to turn off the street. And a lot of the times, depending on the traffic, I have to slow down and turn. People are behind me just like laying into me. And they're like, oh, he's going in there. But they've already yelled. They've already yelled. They've yeah. already yelled and they're they're gone. And I, I've, I do that when I see people not doing the simple things that makes driving safe, like signaling. If people change lanes and they do not signal, I, I yell. I go, I just go. I'm like, signals! Signals! I'll say that <laughs> just in my, by myself in my car. I'm like, you, I, that's just safety. But uh, I don't know where you're going. Suddenly you're in front of me. Who knows what I could have been? Like, it's like that people behind you need to know what the people in front of you are doing. That, I, that's, it seems like the simplest thing to me. That's why I'm just like, I don't understand. And it makes me upset at humanity. That's okay. the, that's the, I think that driving it makes you upset at humanity. It doesn't make you upset at drivers or driving. It makes, it makes me go, there is a fundamental problem with people. With all of us. With all of us, if not a lot of us can do this. If a small amount of us are doing that, all of us are, all of us are fucked. The freeway is a big mirror. It's a big, it's an old Marin joke. This all ends up in the Middle East somehow. Yeah, yeah it dumps out in the Middle East. The... Uh, the the fact that people are honking at people just because they're not running someone over in the crosswalk because they want to turn yeah they yeah. want to turn to run them over first or they oh it's well just, they don't see the person they just yeah. they just assume something's wrong with you yeah they don't see that there's no there's an old lady with a walker trying to cross the street I'm not going to take a right turn and run plow her down sure she looks like she needs that. She looks like she needs sweet, sweet relief from this existence. <laughs> but I, I'm not, or at, at the very least, something to wake her up a little bit. Something to be like, you know what? I know. We'll give her a near-death experience, make her appreciate her life. I, I'm kind of, I have a near-death wish. I'd like to almost die. A near-death wish? Yeah, but because uh, you think that's the key to pro, like that's to, the key to like really appreciating your life. If you could almost die all the time, but with the chance of actually being dead, I think people would get. Jaded. But I'm the type of person who I don't get mad at people when they treat me wrong on or do something unsafe to me that affects me directly mm-hmm. on the roads. But if I see somebody else doing something to somebody else, mm. I want to go get the person. Like if somebody cuts someone off dangerously, um, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go cut that person off dangerously for wronging my brother or sister out on the roadway. <laughs> like, but like if they cut me off, I would just be like, oh, I guess you think you're really important. Good for you. I would or, go signals. That's what yeah, I would do. But, um, but I'm even trying to... Because I feel that negative energy. Yeah, yeah. I feel it build up, and then I feel it just seeping out into the road. So that's what, I mean, the roads are just n- pools of negative energy that are definitely, people aren't living in the moment on the road. Because if they were, everyone would drive safely because there would be no reason to risk your life Well, over going to the grocery that's definitely, to buy some eggs. I think that's definitely true. That's why there's less, there, the traffic accidents in this country are in the cities where the people are the most stressed because they're thinking about where they need to be or where they came yeah. from, but they're not thinking about what they're doing in that moment. And, of course, smaller towns, smaller communities where people aren't in a rush, aren't stressed, aren't freaking out, they're more considerate to other drivers. Yeah. So it's just it's a reflection of whatever personal stress was going on. I get on. it. This is the most important meeting of your life. But guess what? That's the part you're forgetting, your life. Yeah, stress is, someone once described it to me, Stress is is uh, has nothing to do with the present moment. Stress is either thinking about things that have already happened that you can't change, 
or thinking about things that haven't happened yet that you can't do anything about because they have they don't exist. Yeah, so, and they probably won't happen. And they probably won't happen. But it's like that's what people are. I know if I'm, I get I become a bad driver when I'm like when I'm late. If I'm late and I can't predict, then I'm like every single thing that happens to get in my way. Then I'm just like, oh, I'd be on time if it wasn't for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is making me later. This is making me later. And of course, I get there and. Sometimes, most of the time, of course, I'm late. I uh, I can't I I can't do bed to place. If I'm out and about already, I will be on time yeah. ten minutes early. But if I have to wake up and then go somewhere, then it's like it takes me forever just to leave. I wouldn't be friends with late for something, Ryan. What do you mean? I wouldn't be friends with myself. I wouldn't be friends with version of 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 me. When you're late for things, like the version of me that is late for something, driving and needs to get somewhere. I don't like that person. Like, I wouldn't hang out with that person. I, I would never hang out with that person um, if given the opportunity Luckily, to you can't get away from that person. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have said some of the most unholy things. Like, <laughs> driving. Like, especially if I'm supposed to be picking some... Or the airport is the worst. Like, if you're going to miss a flight or you think you're going to be late for a flight, that is when the demons come out for me. Yeah, um, yeah. But, and it's just like, wow. Like, you can catch another flight, dude. Well, I get to that place where I now... I stress out to the point where I'm, I give it up. I'm just like, this is not going to happen. There's a, there, and that, that, that's the moment of I relax. And I'm just like, I'm not going to make this flight. I accept it. This oh, yeah, is not going to happen. you've accepted your fate? I've accepted it. And I'm like, okay, I'm, that means I'm not going to make it to that place. That means that those people are going to be pissed. Uh, it means that I'm going to have to have another five years to repair the damage that this five minutes. Oh, I made the flight. Okay. If you can apply that to... Your life, Ugh. if you can, that acceptance, because it keeps you in the moment. Because when you accept something, you're in the moment. That's a moment moment. <laughs> That's a moment moment. I call it a momo. <laughs> I call it an ent ent. Um, do you? I call it a mimomo. Do you uh, meditate? Uh, not nearly as much as I should. Or uh oh. Why don't you be in the moment with that meditation? Yeah, I need, I need to be because I, you're stressed I just, about. Meditating. I love I love candles. I love incense. I just I just bought a bunch of incense. I love um, candles. I do. If when things smell good, I feel safe. <laughs> it's just a thing that it, like when 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 it's a nice smell, Sir. I feel safe. It helps me get in the moment. Hmm. Um, and just because if you can be in the moment of your career, or like each little moment that you capture. Mm-hmm. Is a building block. So if you can be in the moment of that's where I am in my career. People are like, man. Sometimes people will project or not project, but they'll ask me like, aren't you like, why haven't you? Or you don't have, or I can't believe that you haven't yet. Fill in the blank. And I'm like, it's gonna happen when it happens, and that's fine because right now, I've accepted everything, and there's nothing to really. There's nothing to accept. Like it's not like it's difficult. It's not like I've accept some diagnosis that I'm going to be dead or something. Mm-hmm. That's a little more profound and a little more real than I've accepted that I haven't done a set on Conan yet. Oh, that's oh really? That's that's the uh, that's the big struggle in your life, right? Not right. having done a set on Conan yet. Like, uh, I feel really bad for you. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. <laughs> To get You're upset just, about that? Yeah, yeah. That would be ridiculous. Like, to the point where it's embarrassing to think that I would get up, that I have been upset about that or have gotten up and probably will again in the future, maybe. Be, okay. 
But then there I am speculating about the future, about things that may or may not occur. So it's like, what good does it? It takes me out of the moment. You're accepting that it may. You're like, I believe in the possibility of everything. I might be upset about it in the future. You don't know. I don't know what the what the future. Well, yeah, I do accept it because I'm not. I'm definitely not a uh, a now robot. A now bot. A now bot. I'm not a program to be in the now. I mean, I fall out of it all the time. I have I have long stretches where I'm not in the moment as much as I am during other periods because of external stuff, bro. Yeah, and those are always periods where I'm less happy. Yeah, of course. When I'm happiest, it's when I'm in the moment and I'm just kind of, oh, I'm. Ch- it's it, it gives me, I feel like a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because kids are seeing everything for the first time, and that's why my theory is that time flies the older you get because you no longer notice anything. Right. Everything just you're thinking just so far in the future yeah. that you once you get to that place that you were thinking about, you're already thinking about the next place, and everything becomes very familiar. So. The first time you walked into this apartment, um, looking at it before mm-hmm. you rented it, yep. you probably walked around for the first three minutes probably felt like a half an hour. Like you were taking it all in. You were examining everything like, oh, is there um, are there holes in the carpet? Is there anything in the wall? Like, how I actually didn't like are... this apartment at all. Yeah. But <clears throat> now you walk in, in those first three minutes, you don't even notice. It probably goes by in five seconds because yeah. you, everything is very familiar to you. Well, it's so like kids. They're seeing like the first time you drive somewhere. That's what I was about to say. Like, it's like yeah. if I travel somewhere the first time, it's like it takes forever. But yes. when I go back, I'm like, this is much shorter than I remember it yes. being. Yeah. And even on the way back from it yeah. after going there for the first time is much is much faster. But that's because you're taking it all in and it, living in the moment makes you drive somewhere for the first time every time. Oh, Jesus. Just hopefully people use their signals. But it's the same way with comedy for me. Okay. That was the big transformation for me and from negative into positive was the now moment, the moment, the, the new earth trying to be in the moment. Um, it changed. It really started changing everything for me. It was the fundamental. It was one of the fundamental pieces. It was that in the war of art. Um, and then also, you know, forced single kind of those three things. Forced I, single? I lived with a girlfriend. Oh, you were We'd forced to be single. Okay. Soon after I'd met this other girl who gave me this book the new earth let me borrow it i read it i read the war of art at the same time and i was like oh this is an opportunity now for me to like rise above all of this bullshit Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. try to become something even better um like ugh, man i don't know what would have happened if if that relationship never ended (laughs) well definitely i definitely would never have met that other girl right Um, and found those other things yeah and i mean who knows what's that the alchemist or the Have you read The Alchemist? No, I haven't read The Alchemist. That that the whole point of that book is when you want something, the universe conspires to get it for you. Mm. And that it gives you omens along your path that if you learn to pay attention, be open to them, then it will lead you to the thing that you asked for. That's, oh, that's that's exciting. That's, I'm going to read that book. <laughs> that's kind of the whole point of that book, yeah. Sometimes you have to go a long way to come a short way back. That's, you know what that is? Um, a play called The Zoo Story. Do you know that play? Uh-uh. It's guy Edward Albee, who, brilliant playwright, one of the great American playwrights. He wrote this play called Zoo Story, and this, it's about two men that meet, in a, two strangers that meet in the park. And uh, one does this whole gigantic monologue about life and existence, and it's really him being in the moment, in a way. The other guy is just a guy in a suit who is reading a newspaper that's suddenly like, okay, I'll listen to you, but then it gets weird and weird and weird and weirder. And, 
the whole point of his story, he says, is the thesis of it is sometimes you have to go really, really far away to come a short way back, which is kind of the alchemist also in sort of way, except the alchemist doesn't end in a murder, if I'm correct. <laughs> I don't remember. That's the whole thing in the zoo story. He wants the guy to kill him at the end of it. Oh, wow. He's like, I want you. Like, and basically, it's like, come on, you can do. He's basically coaching this guy to kill him. Wow, that's, that's exciting. It's, yeah, it's an interesting play. Um, here's what I was going to say uh, to you, Rye, Rye Guy, McGillicuddy. This is very hard for me to listen to. Oh, I get it. It's just, I am trying to notice the fuck out of my resistance to, I can only say, my resistance to happiness. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm seeing. It's like, I've been told to read these books for decades, for literally a decade. Uh, one of my teachers in school read uh, Power of Now and was talking to our class about, you guys got to read this damn thing, and it never did it. I'm being told by you and like two other people, you got to check out a new earth. I'm telling you. So we are just omens is what you're saying. It's omens. And it's like, that's what I know. That's what that's the depth of my, my depression. I can pinpoint everything I know will help solve the depression. And I intentionally avoid those well, yeah, things. That's what, that's why depression I'm like, is sunlight, such a beast. Gone. Exercise. Stop. Cookies in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Eating cookies in the dark while I <laughs> lay in bed because sugar just depresses you. If you just sitting there and that's uh. it's 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 almost it's like food addiction. I'm like I feel bad. I need something sweet and I just stuff my face and make myself feel guilty about what I'm eating. And I'm like, ha ha, more 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 sadness. To bed. It's seven o'clock, but to bed. And so I'm just like I know how hard I I I guess it's that. I have some sort of fixation with what I see as a dirty new age hippie in some sort of way. I don't know. Um, I said this to a person I was with the other day who is a big yoga person, right? Used to uh, run a yoga studio, teach yoga. And it always seemed to me, my first experience was with yoga when I moved to Boston and I knew people that were doing yoga, that everyone I knew doing yoga were the most high strung people I've ever met in my life. I'm like, that's probably why they went to yoga, because they were so high-strung, so stressed, that this is a thing that they could do. But I also never understood why they were always so stressed about keeping everything in peace. I always felt like everyone I knew that was like a yoga person Doesn't seem was peaceful. constantly <laughs> freaking out about, don't step on that mat. Don't touch that candle. That's my peace room. Don't go in that. I was like, what the? <laughs> it's like, why are you yelling? I thought that, isn't that the opposite of the point of what you're doing? Oh, uh, yeah. He's like, you're messing up my chakras. You are messing up my chakras. Don't touch my chakras. Get out. Get out. Get out. My chakras are. Get out. My chakras. Chakra. Chakra Khan. Chakra Khan. Chakra Khan. <laughs> so stupid. Um, but I was like, I guess, wow. I was like, I saw it as that obviously doesn't help. That's what I, I guess that's what I associated. That those, those techniques with that people use to, and Los Angeles yoga people, they're, they're journeymen. It's like people are doing yoga not for the reason that yoga is. Supposedly, hot yoga, Bikram yoga, is documented to be bad for you. People think it feels good because they're sweating and they're sweating things out, but it just gives you heart problems. It's not the point of yoga. You, you're, there, yoga, there is no right. I've heard people talk about going to yoga classes and getting yelled at by teachers about not doing things right. And I'm like, isn't that the opposite of the point of yoga? 
But that's what we've done. We've we've uh, Americanized it. We turned it about. We turned it into something about grades. So point is, I see that, and it's hard for me to accept that. Just because it hasn't worked for everybody, doesn't mean it won't work for me. And I guess that maybe there's also a part because what because. A teacher once said, sometimes when you feel bad, it means that you really feel good. Because there's something in that badness that you are romanticizing, that you're holding on to. So there's something in this... Well, the whole depression... You can't be funny if you're happy. I don't know. Is a, is a, I've never subscribed a, to that, but okay. I think the more, the more experienced I've become, I feel like I used to be so happy-go-lucky. And this is what Natasha and I were talking about this last night. Since I've become more "quote unquote" established, I've I feel so much pressure, mostly self-inflicted, to perform. When I was no one, I had this freedom that I've lost. The more I feel like there's an expectation, you're expected on to me. be one of the cornerstones of whatever show you're doing, especially if I'm closing it. Yeah, that's my that's the bane of my. I had that uh, feeling on Tuesday this last Tuesday. When Holy I was, fuck! Yeah, it was a, it was such a good show. Yeah. Yeah. And then and that makes you... and then Ron Lynch went up right before me, and I was like, um, and so I Beth Stelling was there, and I told her I was like, I was like, um, I don't want to follow this. <laughs> how am I supposed to? Why why am I closing this show? And then, but it was so fun because I was just like, you know what? This is one of those shows where they know what they're getting into when they when they book me, or they book me for a reason. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's a safe place, like one of those, like the Good Luck Bar, like. The downtown event, that space has such good energy. Yeah, it does. That I just went, I went bananas and had a blast. Wait, B-A-N-A-N-A-S? Yes. Okay. And, but that's not the point. I wanted to talk about this thing you're talking about. Which, like about, that? you're getting into about the sadness and like, you know, these I'm, omens. I'm, I'm these romanticizing, omens. I'm holding on to something that I, I won't let it go. I'm resistant to things I, I, especially if I think they'll actually help me. I'm just like, fuck that. But that's okay. See, that's where... That's this is my school of thought. Sure, these books do I Look at think that. see that sigh? Jesus. Christ. I think they're going to help you. Sure. But guess what? It's the same way with smoking. I tell people who smoke cigarettes and I talk about this book called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking, which it's been almost 2 years for me since I read it. I read it 14 times. Mm-hmm. And it works. And well, no, it doesn't work if you had to read it 14 times. Well, guess what? It's been 2 years since I smoked, so it works. I, it it only doesn't work if you quit trying. So, the point is, I say Embrace that. Like I'll tell people, I'm like, you know, read it when you're ready. And if you think you like smoking, smoke the shit out of some cigarettes. <laughs> if you think you like it, then do it, right? right? And if you're not ready to not be sad, embrace that darkness maybe. I, you know, let it in because you will be jolted into doing what you need to do when you're supposed to do it. Like that's the beauty of the now uh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now because it's what I'm doing right now. Right. Now, that's not a way, it's not a cop-out to get away with doing anything I want that I right. know it can be destructive. Well, uh, I'm smoking meth right now because it's what I'm doing right now, which means it's what I'm supposed to be yeah, doing Yeah, people right always now go to that, I'm doing that extent. Right I, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to try to take, adva- try to stick my finger. I don't know why I'm going sexual analogy. That I'm not going to take advantage of, uh, of that theory. Okay. Um, I, I try not to. But I, I do believe that if this part of your brain thinks you have a depression journey that you're on or figuring out, why let someone else 
force you to get out of it when there's something that clearly has to be discovered for you. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not an excuse to allow you to just disregard everything in your life that you know you should be doing. Right. But it's okay to be sad. That's what we forget. It's it's okay to be sad every once in a while. It is okay to be sad. I yes. have to really give myself permission to be sad. It's a it's difficult. I have to say, you know what? It's okay to cry or it's okay to be upset about this. Um that doesn't mean you're not living your life or a good person. You know, oh, I'm I'm, I'm going to sit here and be sad uh and then just not do anything. What am I going well, to just be a piece of shit? Mm-hmm. It's like, "Well, why are you going down this Punishment. That's path. usually what I have to say to myself to snap myself out of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Stop being a bitch, and then I get up yeah. and do something. So, yeah. I mean, those books will always be there. They are, and it's like I bought it. That's a step. You'll read them when you're supposed to. Obviously, Shit. I've I've yeah. taken that much of a step towards something. I remember telling somebody about I had been talking for years about how I was going to start exercising. This was around when I figured out I was lactose intolerant because I just, I didn't know I was lactose intolerant. I just assumed I ate shit and I felt like shit and that's what happens. I eat shit, feel like shit. I thought the same way. So I was like, well, I got to start exercising. If I exercised, I probably wouldn't feel like shit. I'd probably eat better, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I kept talking about it for years and years and didn't do anything. And I remember somebody telling me, um, maybe you're just not going to do that. That's what she said. She's like, you've been talking about this for years, but you haven't done. Yeah. You've literally done nothing. It's no, so maybe you should just never. accept that you're not that person. You're not going to do any exercise. And, and literally hearing that, I, I started exercising. I was like, that's oh. what I needed to hear. When faced with the prospect, when of- faced with there, I, I you know, I I I will get fixated with ideas of myself that I think should be good. I'll be like, I should be more like this. And then I go, but I'm not. But I should be, but I'm not. But I should be. And then I'll I'll kind of pussyfoot around the thing that I think will help me get to that, thinking, ah, but I don't really, I'm not that. But I'm like looking at it, I'm like, but I could just pick it up. No, nah, I'm not a picker-upper. Yeah. That's not, I'm not bounty. I'm not a quicker picker-upper. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that for a long time until somebody's just like, why don't you just pick it up? It's right there. Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess I could... It takes so much energy sometimes. I, I it's it's and that's that's just stress. I just I will just fall into the rabbit's hole of who gives a shit, and then do nothing, do nothing, and then more nothing. Because it is such a simple thing to know. If I start exercising, if I change my diet a little, just the smallest tweak, I'm not going to be nearly as sad as I am. And what really helps me is reading some of this stuff. And it's like it's the same way. Like you have these books, and you know, if you read them, they probably at least would give you some insight into something. If even if they didn't affect your overall outlook. Um, and then when I start, and I get so overwhelmed sometimes, like in a good way, emotionally, like reading some of this stuff about letting go of desire, which is a big thing. Ugh. That's the thing I'm trying to focus on now to help keep me in the moment, um, because I would just after my last relationship ended, I had a weird period of this jealousy that kind of set in to where I was just like, because I was never that guy during our relationship and to where I was like every man alive on the planet oh, was yeah. now who I became jealous of Yeah, because they had a chance. 
And you didn't anymore. So I was jealous of 3.5 billion people. <laughs> like from age six weeks old, well, they could grow up and she could fall in love with them when, you know, 20 years from now. Or, or it is just like, this is so crazy. Like yeah, you're yeah. jealous of every living dude. Like I would, I couldn't see any man anywhere or boy without fucking hating them. They were and all like, threats, walking They were threats. all threats. And it's like threats to what? Threats to getting what I wanted or possessing um, something that I thought that I should possess. And that like, was identity stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And identity stuff. And, and it was just like, whoa, dude. Like, first of all, people aren't objects that you possess. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Love is not an object you can possess. Um, why do you desire this? Where does it come back? It all comes back to, oh, I desire this because I just don't want to be alone. Well, guess what? Nobody wants to be alone. And if you live in the moment and just try to have interactions with people, you're never alone. Yeah, yeah. And God, comedy, I'm so focused on comedy right now because I don't have anything going on in my life. Like, I... That's the thing about getting in shape, too. Like, I kind of have this weird, strange obsession with it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not in that great of shape. But all the times I'm in my best shape physically, and, like, it's a very vain, like, oh, I look pretty good, mm-hmm. like, without mm-hmm. my clothes on. Like, I've never had a girl. <laughs> like, I've never been in a relationship where a woman could, or, or, like, like, a woman could be in a position to be maybe appreciate like something like that and it's always like she ah there's no one here to appreciate this ab yeah this the oh do you see that slight shadow that's forming <laughs> there's no woman to be around at the right you know between you know 7 and 8:30 in the morning yeah, yeah. if i'm laying the correct way <laughs> and the light is hitting me Look in at such that a ab. way um i am such an adonis so of these shadows right so now so it's funny that like i'll get in the best like whenever the vanity part comes in at the highest moment there's never anyone there to like reinforce my yeah i do look good uh so then when i kind of let myself go a little bit and stop being so regimented or crazy about it then typically i maybe i'll you know meet somebody but um ugh. but the comedy the working out mm-hmm. the sadness it's oh it's it's so difficult to not be in the moment all the time cuz we're always worried about our next set we're always worried about um what, what's next, the next check the next check all oh, that that's is, the, and that's that's yeah my biggest thing right now is i if i can't i don't see the where that's coming from oh, and i'm yeah. like i don't know that i can pay rent next month i'm like how did i how did i get here yeah it's like i was just on a television show how did i get here and how the fuck am i getting out of it and that, exactly especially when i can't actually see, and it makes me spiral it makes me connect Shit that shouldn't be connected. These are all the bad decisions I made to get. These are all the bad decisions. I'm a bad decision maker. I'm a person who is only capable of bad decisions. And if I was better, people would be offering me stuff to get me out of it. Exactly. I would be in a situation where I don't have to ask for things because I'm so good at decisions. (laughs) (laughs) That people are like, he knows exactly what to do. When people talk about Baron, they say that guy decides. That guy. He is a decider. He is a he, decider. Woo, those decisions. You know that oh that whole thing everybody liked about George Bush? Imagine that thing, except no Bush. <laughs> That's Baron Vaughn. Let's take him to Florida. You ever have a decision you need and you can't figure out which way to go? And, and it's amazing how those things manifest in like going to a restaurant with somebody or trying to figure out what restaurant. It's like where restaurant I go? I don't know, where do you want to go? Was, uh, well, what do you feel like? I, whatever you feel like. How about Thai? Not Thai. Yeah. Do you have already made a decision? Why don't you just make a decision? You know, 
I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm done. That's a tangent. Cosine. So well, that's like a symptom of the overall problem. Though. Yeah, like, which is kind of like make a decision. We can make choices. Um, yeah. So that's the thing. It's like I, I, and it. I get so negative. It's. I am surprised. I know. At I love when I te- I'll text you something like random, and then I'm like, I try to figure out what response I might get. Uh, back when it's something like positive, like trying to remind you like how great of a stand-up comic you are or something, and then you'll just text back like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> because I am, right, and because in the moments that you have texted me that, it is the, the time where I feel the least that is true, because yeah. I'm sitting here on this couch. Yeah. I try to imagine watching I... something that I shouldn't be watching. Like I'm thinking about, like I should be writing jokes. I should be writing a script. I should be at a show. I should. If I was at a show, I would. I wouldn't be in this situation. If I've been going to shows instead of doing what? Oh, I got a text. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's right. I'm wasting my abilities. Cocoa I have a friend who's like that. in my mouth. I have a friend who's like that. It's a lot of pressure on her about how, how much, uh, comedian. No, she's not a comedian, oh. but like she feels like maybe she's wasting her potential or her ability. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah. it's, you know, people who are really gifted, um, and haven't figured out what path to to walk down yet, mm-hmm. um, to properly express those gifts in a way that fulfills them. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really tortured people at times, especially when they're figuring that which path out. Because especially when you're you're extremely gifted, and I mean we're lucky enough to be on the comedian path, the stand up path. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we still don't take um, we Our wander off that path into some yeah. other some other path from time to time because those are also very fulfilling to us, like writing scripts or you know doing sketch stuff or whatever or acting. But it's but when you know you're capable of so much what you believe to be greatness or at least to attempt to offer greatness to people, not in mm-hmm. a vain way, but in a way like I want to bring people joy with something I create. That's great. Um, it can be very, it, it's heavy. It's a heavy weight. But if you just focus on what's happening in the moment, it's difficult to get overwhelmed by that. Um, probably the most profound thing another person has said to me, I don't in theater school, I went to, we had this thing called uh, conferences. It was the most intimidating possible thing. Because theater school is filled with a bunch of 18-year-olds who think they're hot shit, right? They're like, man, I just fucking killed that production of Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) That's autobiographical. (laughs) There was a twist. You never saw my Fagin. (laughs) The fu- it was a it was a fucking amazing. I'm so glad that was about you. Yeah, I'm just like I was just trying to think of something like, well, I just can use well, use something from the well, bro. I said to my <laughs> my brain said to myself. So the thing, y'all, that I mean, I didn't think I was hot shit. I I always kind of had this sense of when I was in high school, life isn't high school. There's life beyond high school. And when I was in college, I was like, life isn't college. There's life beyond college. I kind of always had this sense. Luckily. Of I don't know I almost want to say an air of detachment but I was but not in a way that I didn't feel I was present just that I knew that these rules only apply to right now and how things are right now doesn't mean it's how things will be you know so whoever was the most popular and getting cast in the most shit in the real world that might not matter for shit and most of the time it doesn't right anyway in theater school there's a bunch of eighteen year olds who have very strong ideas of what they think an actor is and they've gone to a school 
to become educated and to learn more of a craft and to to learn from people who have been doing it way longer, of course, and have a shitload of life experience and degrees and stuff like that that know what acting is and can teach us. We go there with our strong ideas, even though that's what drew us to go there, and we're still resistant. Because it's like, no, in high school acting was this, but now it's something different, and people will fight the shit out of that, right? But every quarter in theater school, there was only 40 people in my class. It's a very small school, very competitive to get into. They would do something called the conferences. Every quarter, every class had them. Now, coming in, I didn't know what the fuck it was. I had heard about them, the upperclassmen being like, oh, your conference is coming up. And I was like, what the fuck is this conference thing? There would be a sign-up sheet, and you had to sign up for your conference time. Either that or they assigned it to you, I don't remember. Basically, it was a week in which every student in the entire theater school, one at a time, walked into a room, sat in a chair. Every teacher in the school was there, and they basically just told you everything you were doing. They said, here's what you need to work on. Here's what you suck at. And it was not kind. It was, it was, that's where you always really found out what people thought. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's like you're in class and it's a group setting and then suddenly it's like, I don't think that you're doing this and that and this. It's like, what? But you never said that before. They basically evaluate your progress and tell you what they want to see upcoming. Then the next time they evaluate how well you did or didn't take their notes. Someone else, all, someone takes notes and then they give you, but it's like every teacher in the school. It's very intimidating. Most people walked out in tears. Right. Yeah. So, and that's not a good setup. As I'm sitting there with two other students, watching people go in, call walk out in tears. Someone goes in, walks out in tears. I'm like, me? Okay. Are they showing the notebook in there? I my first conference. I don't know if it was my first or second conference, but I got good notes. I was very happy. But one thing that was told to me in the conference that is still something I struggle with so much. This teacher said. I think that you're afraid to open up because you're afraid that you'll open up and there's nothing there. Oh, God. Oh, God. You think you're empty inside. Oh, my God. And I'm telling you that you're not. That you're not. Oh, okay. Thank God that part happened at the end. No. Yeah. They were like, you, there's, you have, you're not empty. That's basically what they were telling me. Okay. But I... <laughs> Jeez. Thank you for adding that part on at the end. Look like, at that. See, see that reaction you got? Now imagine you as an 18-year-old. Oh. Huh? I don't understand things. <laughs> I've never paid a bill. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, 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 it's a thing I have been struggling with, that I do think that. That I do think I don't have anything to offer. There's nothing in there. You know what I mean? Like I, what, I, It's not that I don't want to let people in. It's just that like they're just going to be disappointed. It's just like a gigantic store. They walk in. It's like, everything's in. There's no... There's no... Everything's 99 cents in here. <laughs> <laughs> there's clearly pictures of diamonds on the front. Where do you... Where is there a secret room to find? Uh, do I have to... It's like... No one's working here. There's the, the, this place has all been... All stuff's over the counter. Is this a store from The Walking Dead? This place has <laughs> been ransacked. So I guess there's a part of me that's like, okay, there's, I'm empty inside. And I've been struggling with that. So, she, yeah, she did say, I'm telling you, you're not empty. Well, that's exciting, though, to think of it in this way. But I disagree. I disagree. I struggle with think this. Think about this. That's what I'm saying. If, oh, consider, shit. if you will, 
This is where it gets exciting when you're talking about the moment. Okay? Go ahead, right guy. This is how I would apply the moment to this situation. So you've got this ultimate struggle to find out if you're empty inside, which is the ultimate journey, right? Because, I mean, I think feeling empty inside is, is, it seems to me, at least by this conversation, that um, it's a lack of worth, too. Like, like if, if you had that self-worth inside, that would be something that, uh, there'd be a lot inside as opposed to being nothing. So um, stand-up comedy affords you that journey to be able to examine this, uh, you know, or not journey. Stand-up comedy is the tool that you get to take with you on this journey. Like when Atreyu went to go <laughs> figure out how to stop the nothing, he was given the Orin. Right? Stand-up comedy is the Orin. I can't believe that you just stuck a never-ending Sorry. story. Ra- I, no, that's who I we are. I just read that book, too, by the okay, way. Okay, all right. Uh, and... Just talk about books where you read the first third of it and you think you know the book. That's how you can really tell when someone's trying to give you real advice, what they compare it to tells you so much. And Never Ending Story is my favorite movie of all time. It's like if you walk into a McDonald's, it's like, okay, you go to McDonald's, you yeah, like yeah. you really like McDonald's. So so you've got this journey you're on okay. to find out your what your self worth is. Ugh. So stand up comedy for is that I want to vomit right now. So is the you know. tool though, right? This is exciting because this is <laughs> Think now about I'm I'm just now I'm getting in my about, head I'm thinking but think all about the pressure. Think about Louis C.K. Think about Louis C.K. Right. If Louis C.K. would have been would have blown up 15 years ago when he was, or you know like 15 years ago in stand up comedy, mm-hmm. like the way he is now, he wouldn't be the Louis C.K. He is now. Right. The same thing with like a Mark Maron or when Doug Benson really kind of found his niche. Like it wouldn't Tompkins, have been the, Oswald, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been Bill the Burr, same, right? Yeah. So these people that are on these journeys, myself included. Uh, you, my friend, I was referencing earlier. Who's your friend? Oh, Stuart Huff. No, no, no. Uh, with the the multi talented, my friend Megan, who's oh, multi talented. Not, not she's not a comedian. Right, right, right. Okay. So, uh, you have all of this potential, and you have all of this insight and brilliance. But if it comes, if it's forced to come out too soon, it's it's going to be it's not going to be fully formed. Okay, I just want to let you know while you're talking. Here's what, here's what I'm thinking in my head. You're like spiraling into some thinking, kind of... I'm thinking, I cannot do this. That's all I'm thinking. No, you're already doing it. I That's can't do what, this. I can't do this. See, That's all that, I'm thinking. And I don't like to tell people they're wrong. <laughs> but I would just like to suggest that you're already doing it. It's, yeah. Okay. You're already doing it. So, many, like, so much size. Vocals. Uh. But you don't have to change anything. See, you just keep doing what whatever you feel like you're supposed to be doing. And that is... That's you doing it. All right. You're already doing it because this is preoccupying your brain in such a way, um, at least on a, on a very deep level, even if it's not something that's topical and on the surface that comes out in conversation a lot. I'm not sure. But you're already on this journey. And stand-up comedy is already something you're doing. And you're discovering that answer eventually through stand-up comedy and through other things that you'll, you know, eating cookies late at night or whatever. It's already happening. You don't have to. It's not something you. Oh, I have to. It's too much pressure. I can't do this. You're already. You're already doing it. And it'll come out. And it'll come out when it's supposed to. Like I didn't start doing stand up until I was or really doing it. Like I was committed. Like okay, I'm gonna do stand up comedy until I was 25 years old. And that was. But and I was lucky enough to have the pers- or lack of perspective. Like oh, I should really be doing something with my life. Like I'm 25 and I haven't figured out what I'm doing yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, when it happened, I was like, "I'm 25. Who gives it? I'm going to do this now, because it's all just numbers, 
ages and all just numbers and stuff. So like putting a time frame on it is ridiculous. It's going to come out when it comes out and it's going to be, it's going to be so, it's going to be so great, dude. Think about, think about having that weapon of insight, of ultimate insight, of going on that journey, which is a, a defining journey for you. Because you said since you were 18, like when they mentioned that, this is like the defining journey you're on. So it's not going to happen overnight. Of course not. But guess what? There's going to be some funny shit that happens along the way when you're figuring out different aspects of it. Or how does it affect your personal relationships with friends? How does it affect your romantic relationships? Uh, how does it affect the vision of yourself that you have? You know, Or how does it affect your perspective on just examining things that you think are funny? Oh, man, this is... This is a smorgasbord of delicious comedy treats. <laughs> and you're on this journey, dude. And if you, and if you, oh. like for me right now, I'm really excited about this on your behalf. Because in this moment right now, we're currently, we're occupying that space of trying to figure out self-worth. Okay, let's go get some coffee. Oh, yeah. That makes everything better. some issues and i don't say that in a cutesy isn't that hilarious kind of way i want to try to get behind this bs and solve some me (laughs) solve some me i'm a puzzle i'm a puzzle that i don't know if i can solve Uh, i don't know that's the point is to solve it as much as it is to try to solve it try to identify the pieces uh, I'm exasperated I'm exhausted I get exhausted by people who um, seem to have their head on their shoulders in a way that they're they're okay I want to be okay I used to be okay I don't feel okay anymore I don't even know when that happened it's stupid guys it's fucking stupid maybe I just need to not sit here alone as much I don't know. Anyway, as you listen to this, I'm probably having Thanksgiving dinner with my family, which is the first time I've actually had it with my actual family for five years, I think. So it'll be good to be around my mom and my sisters and uh, my stepfather, as strained as our relationship is. So... We're all having some awkward meals right now, guys. I really hope you are. And if you have uh, no one with you right now, if you're having a a Thanksgiving alone, um, I'm here. I'm in your ears. All right, bye. (laughs) 